This is The Blunt Doctor Show. On a Monday, an exciting, fun Monday. This is going to be awesome. I have a very cool guest about to join me. Um, her ad is Smarfwater on Twitter. We talked about the Celtics for about an hour. It was awesome. She brought the knowledge. Just a very good conversation about what the Celtics need to do now and going forward. A lot of interesting stuff there. Before we get to that, a couple other things real quick I just want to talk about. Number one, I am fucking thrilled that the Suns were able to get a number two seed. I see a lot of people out there who are not excited about this team, who think that, you know, we should have done better, who are, you know, pissed that it's not a number one seed, blah, blah, blah. For a moment, just step back and enjoy what this team has done. I just want Suns fans to step back and enjoy what this team has done. We are the number two overall seed. We are in prime position to chase a championship. We're about to go into a battle royale, probably against the Lakers. Maybe not. But no matter what, it is fucking awesome. It is exciting. And it is a great time to be a Suns fan again. And we need to forget these little mistakes here and there. We need to drop the nitpickiness. And we need to enjoy this because we have an opportunity for something great. And there's simply no room for negativity. So let's cut that shit out. Let's focus on how good this team has been, how great they can be. And let's focus on this playoff run. Let's get that karma out there. Let's get that energy going for the Suns because we're probably about to have to play the fucking Lakers. Now, I've said this before. I'm going to say this again real quick. You want to play the Lakers now. You don't want to play them later. Jared Dudley said this. I've said this. We are both right. You want to play the Lakers now. They're still healing. They're not in tip-top shape. Their offense is not flowing yet. You want to play them now. You don't want to play them in the Western Conference Finals when they've gotten everything working again. Your opportunity is right now. The opportunity for Chris Paul to do what he has never done and knock LeBron's ass out of the playoffs and become a championship contender and get out of the West. It starts right here playing the Lakers first. We want this matchup, okay? We want this matchup. I want to be very clear about that. Suns fans should want this fucking matchup, okay? We want the Lakers today. We want them now. So as odd as it is to say, I want to play LeBron in the playoffs, you want to play LeBron right now. I want to play every team at their top. Yeah, you want to beat the best, Baba. I understand that. Realistically, we're about to be matched up against the Lakers. Realistically, the Lakers are not healthy right now. Realistically, the Lakers offense is not flowing as well as it should right now. Realistically, you have a great chance to beat this team. And realistically, you need to be fucking excited to be the number two seed in this position and prepared to make maybe the best run that any Suns team has ever made. A run that ends with hoisting a fucking trophy. So stop bitching. Be excited. And let's enjoy this damn season. And as far as the play-in tournament goes, I love it. I I think it's been great for the league. I don't think anyone would argue that a Warriors-Lakers play-in game is a bad idea. We need to keep the play-in. I want everyone to consider this, you know, tournament for the number one overall thing. We'll get into that in the show. Real quick, let's make some quick picks for this week's play-in tournaments. Hornets at Pacers is the first one. It's currently Pacers minus three. I'm actually going to take Hornets plus three. You know what? Just give me the Hornets on the money line. I think the Hornets are just going to win that game. Wizards and Celtics. It is Wizards plus one and a half against the Celtics minus one and a half. Um, I don't even know what to think about this game. 
Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Celtics minus one and a half because I'm having a Celtics guest on this show and I can't be rude. And also just, I, I'm, I'm taking Celtics minus one and a half. You're asking me to choose between Jason Tatum and Russell Westbrook, or I guess you could say Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm taking Tatum in a one-off. So give me the Celtics minus one and a half. Spurs at Grizzlies. Grizzlies are minus three and a half against the Spurs. They're at home. I'm going to take the Grizzlies minus three and a half. I don't really have a lot of faith in the Spurs. And then again, as I said, it's Lakers and Warriors. This line started at six and a half. Um, I would have actually considered Warriors plus six and a half simply because that's a really big line, but it's Lakers minus four and a half against the Warriors just because I want the Lakers right now. Lakers minus four and a half. Let's take it. Um, you know, Steph may be able to cover that line on his own, but the Lakers may just run the Warriors out of the fucking gym. So who the hell knows? But those are my picks. And now let's go ahead and jump into a badass conversation about the Boston fucking Celtics. All right. And joining me now is... Uh, a diehard Celtics fan who I'm excited to have on so that we can talk about all things Celtics. A lot obviously going on. Uh, my friend Margo, you may know her from Twitter as at Smarthwater, badass graphic designer and super diehard Celtics fan. Margo, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Got my usual wake and bake on. I'm ready to go. I am prepared to do my show. I can't do this show sober. I never will. That's my promise. My consistent promise that I've always met. So <laughs> one of these days I'll, I'll sneak in a sober episode and we'll see if anyone notices. So you are a graphic designer. That's your career, right? You're a freelance graphic designer. Yeah. Yeah. I How recently did- uh, graduated college like during the pandemic and it's kind of just what I've done in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've all had to find ways through. How did you, uh, how did you land on graphic design? Is that like a lifelong thing or? Um, well, I was always like kind of into like art and taking art classes. Um, and then in like in high school, when we were given options for electives, I chose design, which did like painting, drawing, Photoshop stuff. So I learned Photoshop in high school. Uh, but it really wasn't until I kind of dove back into being a really big Celtics fan in college that and and kind of learned about Twitter and Celtics Twitter and memes and that they're kind of popular like watching inside the NBA and seeing how they'll post memes and stuff I kind of was just like oh well I can do like I can provide content because I know how to use Photoshop so why not and it really started as just like funny memes Um, and then I think I just was, I just was like, I am going to make kind of trippy looking art because I don't know. I just, the the way that I watch basketball is it's, it's very player oriented. So I really just enjoy the entertainment, watching the players. And I feel like making art about the players just increase, like it just levels up the experience for me. Yeah. I, I love all the, I mean, yeah, trippy is is the best way to describe it. I love all that stuff. It kind of has like, um, some of it has like an old school comic book feel. Um, like almost like, like you did one with Jason Tatum where he had like, I, I don't know, there were just the colors around him or something. It made him look like a superhero. And I just, I thought that was really cool. I love, I love all that shit. Is that, is that, do you go for that at all? Or is that just more, I'm just seeing that somewhere? No, you definitely are spot on. I definitely go for like a retro type trippy design feel. Um, I mean, honestly, my creative process is a lot of smoking and listening to music. 
and I really I'm very into like classic rock like 60s type psychedelic rock and the album covers and the, the words and songs themselves are really I'd say like a huge inspiration for me like in terms of what my designs look like so yeah definitely you're not making you're not just seeing things that it's kind of like a retro vibe yeah and i that's awesome i i really dig it and i would uh we need to get some more people working on some other teams here because in this style because i love it very much but uh it's really it's really cool stuff for anyone who hasn't again it's at smarf water like smart water but with an f uh, Smart being Marcus Smart's uh, nickname. So I guess um, I'll just, let's just ask that question now. You are, you're, Marcus Smart is your favorite player? Fair to say? Yeah, definitely fair to say. And so you're diehard set against any trades of his this offseason? Uh, for sure. I mean, I, d- I do see the, the points like, oh, he's taking too many shots, blah, blah, blah. But like, he really is like, how people say the heart and soul of the team like it doesn't show up but when you watch the game like he's the clear captain he is always whenever he makes a mistake he's like it's on me and it fell apart when he was out this season so I just and then when you see the things that he does when it's like an intense moment in the game or an intense game in general it's like how can you get rid of that or even justify it yeah I I mean I'm I, I love Marcus Smart. I, you know, when he was a free agent a couple of years ago, I wanted the Suns to to make a run at him. Not that he was really ever going to leave, but you know, you hope for things. But um, I'm I'm pretty much on your side on that one too. I think he's, despite the respect that he gets, I still think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA because I think you know just what he brings to when you can defend five positions and you know still control the offense a little bit. And every now and then he'll have a night where he can hit eight threes. You know, he's, I, I'm, I'm a Marcus smart believer. So I'm, I'm just curious, but I figured that that would be your answer. So do you, well, before jumping too far into the summer, I mean, do you, how far do you think this team can go right now? Like, are you still in the, we can make it happen or just without Jalen Brown, have you resigned yourself? Like, where are you on that? Honestly, I still think that we could make it all the way. I, I mean, I, I obviously losing Jalen Brown is like, the wor- one of the worst possible things that could happen but it also kind of just goes to show how other players that were, are less likely to have stepped up like um Fournier has been huge for us and I I know when we first signed him people were like oh this is so dumb but I mean he's had a few nights where he's one of our top scorers and he also he, he touched on this a couple I think Saturday's post game like he's he's learning how to work on offense so that he can provide space for Tatum and like that is just really crucial I feel like for the team um and then also like some of our rookies and sophomore players have really been showing out and showing that like Peyton Pritchard in the playoffs is going to be insane it'll be He's just like the the nat like Marcus Smart that you really want to have on your team you don't want to go against him Right. Yeah. And, and you got to have those guys too. Sorry, continue. Yeah. And then I guess just looking at kind of how the playoffs are turning out right now. Uh, I think we have a chance against the Nets or the Sixers and whichever team we're playing in the first round. Like if it's the Sixers, well, don't forget that we swept them last year. I know it was without Ben Simmons, but 
where has Ben Simmons been in the playoffs or on offense anyways? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm very anti-Ben Simmons and oh, anti-Sixers. No, this show is very hot take friendly, so just bring it. Absolutely. Just go at the Sixers. You will get no flack from me. Yeah, I mean, I can see us sweeping them again this year. There's, there, If you look at the history, you can't say that the Celtics are definitely going to lose to the Sixers. And then the Nets, I mean, I love Kyrie, love uh, Harden, love KD. They're phenomenal players, like best players in the league, obviously. But I don't, I think that the Celtics are a team that they have players that want it more. They haven't had it before and they're the underdogs and the Nets are kind of, in my mind, like a, a ticking time bomb. I know that it's like, we really haven't seen them all three working together and just being crazy on offense that much, but they all kind of are their own personalities. I can see it going wrong for them more so than I can see it going right or I don't know how I'm trying to say this but I can see the Celtics wanting it more and the Nets kind of falling apart because of just all the internal stuff that happens there and I mean they have barely played together I do wonder about that a little bit I mean I think the defensive concerns are real I know they're really good on defense with Nick Claxton on the floor and everything but like I do I do wonder like surely you have to have played together somewhat like we're talking about winning a championship, not like winning regular season games. And I know that they've been phenomenal when they have played together, but it's been so little. I just wonder when you get into, you know, a dogfight series. And this is where Brad Stevens, you know, brings some advantage, right? Because we've seen him be a tactician. Are you, are you like, are you firmly like Brad Stevens is my coach or do you have, I, I, I see some people on, in Celtics Twitter starting to bail on Brad Stevens a little bit. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I definitely am still a big supporter of Brad Stevens. I think he's like an awesome coach and he's shown that. And for the hand that he's been dealt with injuries and just this, this roster and, and he's definitely taken the heat for things that Danny Ainge should take the heat for. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even regardless of that, like if you look at what he's done for the Celtics with what he's been dealt, it's, incredible and like there's been there's times when he shows why he's an nba coach and it's like it's it reminds me of like a few seasons ago when it's like a close game down the wire and he just draws up some incredible plays like Mm -hmm. you you can you always have to think about that 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 he has that in his bag and then it's mostly i think trying being able to execute it with the players on the floor like especially when similar to the Nets, our players haven't gotten many minutes together. So he, I mean, there's like, if you look at what the team was when Brad Stevens got here and what it is now, I don't know how you can be out on him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's, you know, especially, yeah. I mean, I remember in the earliest days of Brad Stevens when they were trying to tank and he was coaching them to too many wins and, you know, because like you said, he had so many interesting ATO plays. And I remember like the game when like, well, I don't know, someone hit a ridiculous game winner, but in any case, um, I'm still in on Brad Stevens. I just think it's interesting because like you say, a lot of things that Danny Ainge has done wrong. And there are numerous ones. I'm, I'm a, I'm a certified Danny Ainge hater. I'll be honest about that. Like I've come here, 
many times and said that I feel like he has done the Celtics wrong with his, you know, inability to trade for players at certain times. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, relitigate any specific trade, but we've, you know, we've watched these things happen over five years and the one trade he really did make, he lost the player. Um, so it's just, it's, I've, I've not been in on Danny Ainge for a while. And so I do kind of think you're right. Like Brad Stevens takes the heat. You make a good point. The Celtics barely played together this season. They have some history together, at least going back. So you would expect that maybe they can get it together for the playoffs. But um, so you would take, you would just outright pick the 76ers over, excuse me, the Celtics over the 76ers, just outright, you would pick them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. If I had money to bet, I would. I love that. Cause I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I've gone back and forth on the 76ers to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same uh, because Embiid, like, I think Embiid is an awesome, I love Embiid. I, you know, if you could be on the Celtics, that would be incredible. So it's mostly just, you know, the rivalry where I'm like, fuck the Sixers, we can beat them. (laughs) And, and the Ben Simmons thing is true. Like I, you know, I, I'm ne- I, I'm not a believer in players who can't shoot. Like that is just for me. I, I simply don't, especially you know perimeter players. And I don't care if now they're trying to be like, oh, he's a power forward. He's in the dunker spot all the time. Yeah, because he can't shoot. Like it just. I, I'm I'm anti players who can't shoot. So I have never been a big Ben Simmons guy. Um, and I think that matters a lot in the playoffs. I think you're right about that. But I, I do. Embiid has been playing so well. Like. I, I wonder, I don't think the Nets can stop him is another thing. Like in a, in a world where the net, the Nets and 76ers play, everyone's like, Oh, the Nets are so good. I'm like, yeah, but they have literally no one to defend this monster who can score right. over everyone. Like, right. That's why like, you know, I think that Marcus smart has a better chance of shutting down the Sixers and, and Joel Embiid than the, than the entire Brooklyn Nets do. I agree with that. I mean, he's he's defended him well before. It's crazy. I don't understand how a dude who is six seven is defending. I know he's got an incredible wingspan, but just like his strength in the post is ridiculous. Like it's, I. That's the other thing about the Nets. Their best post defender is probably James Harden. So that's really all you need to know about the Nets, honestly. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And then when you think about you know Marcus Smart and James Harden, it's Marcus Smart. <laughs> Yeah. I, well, I mean, there, I mean, yeah, that that's, and that will be a fun matchup. I, I would like to see a, a Celtics that series. It's less fun without Jalen, obviously, but, and it sucks too, because Jalen was making such a leap this year, like truly becoming, you know, like a superstar. I mean, shooting, taking more shots, taking more threes, shooting higher percentages, passing the ball more. I mean, it's, it's so rare that you can do all those things and increase your efficiency. Like, it was amazing. Like all the praise that people have been heaping on Zach Levine for increasing his efficiency should have been heaped on Jalen Brown. I know that uh, people, yeah. I know that like some people were giving Jalen Brown praise, but like he still also played defense. I'm, I'm so mad at all the Zach Levine love. I could go forever. I had to listen to Kevin Arnovitz say on the Zach Lowe podcast that Zach Levine der- deserved all NBA over Devin Booker. And I about had an aneurysm. Um, wow. So, yeah. So you, um, you you would fire Danny Ainge if you could, um, or, or no? I I don't think I am that much anti Danny Ainge. I mean, he did like he does have he has made some really good picks. He's he he's put together a, a pretty cool team. I mean, when you have 
Tatum and Brown and Kemba Walker, like, I can't be that mad. It's pretty awesome. It's just kind of, we're not, we're not playing to our potential. So I do see how it's like super frustrating and it's very easy to blame the GM. Um, I mean, considering like so much of the unpredictable stuff that's happened with like, it's kind of because of like the IT curse, like all the injuries. Um, and like, like he could like Ainge never could have predicted Hayward going down. Uh, he never, he clearly couldn't have predicted Kyrie leaving. And, and then just this season, or I guess last season and this season, Kemba and Hayward were hurt. Smart got hurt. Now Jalen Brown's hurt. Like that's not on him, but it is on him to make sure that there's, depth to the roster that if that happens it's not oh my god our season's over let's just pack up and go and try it again right so yeah like go ahead i just so the last thing i'll say about danny ainge is it is he is in a hot seat because tatum and brown need help around them and and you know i've been watching jason tatum carry this team all season and his back has got to be damn tired so you have to keep him around and he has to do something soon to mix it up and put this team back in contention where there aren't just people like me that seem like super homers saying, oh, yeah, they have a chance. It has to be that they have a chance. It's firm and it's believable. So you're you're but you you would totally you want to give him another opportunity to do that. You're like, OK, let's go into this summer, see what we can do. And we'll see what happens. You're you're on board with giving Danny Ainge at least one more shot. Yeah, that. yeah, because I mean he has so many like so much experience in the NBA and mm-hmm. just like the the connections I guess um, and just the the fact he's been doing it for so long. Like I under I totally understand and I honestly it is bothersome how he always tries to just like win every trade. So there's things like that just don't happen that should have gone through and our team would be better if they had, that's kind of problematic. So, but I do trust that he is the right person to make the necessary changes in the future. And the thing is, I, you know, it's funny because when Ryan McDonough was the Suns GM, he had come from the Celtics front office and he did that exact same thing where it was like, I'm going to win every trade. And it doesn't matter if I'm building a cohesive roster that actually works as a unit, I'm going to win this trade. And that is the only way that he thought about anything. And the Suns never went anywhere in that time. And then he gets fired and James Jones takes over. And he actually thinks like an adult in the room, which thank God we finally have one of those now. So I, I completely understand both sides of it. Cause I'm with you like that, that mindset that I have seen other people who came from the Celtics have, it's like, that is a frustrating mindset. But like you said, like, I mean, you could argue like Jason Tatum was obviously probably the best player from that draft. Um, You know, like, so it's like, he's hitting on these picks at, you know, pick three and pick four, like that, those are home runs that earn you time. So I I get it. I'm like, like, again, I'm, like I said, I'm an Ainge hater, but it's like, when you sit down and look at it too, you're like, man, yeah, he did get Hayward in free agency. That was a win, even though it didn't necessarily work out. You know, the Kyrie thing went poorly. That's just, you know, I think anyone kind of could have predicted that Kyrie didn't want to be in Boston. I don't, and I didn't, I never thought that was really a smart idea. That's just me, but um, I, 
I, I can see what you're saying. I just, I think it's interesting because I, you know, just being a Patriots fan all my life and not necessarily being a Celtics fan, I have kind of a different take on everything, but because I'm a Patriots fan, I see Celtic stuff all the time. And so I see people, you know, I hate Danny Ainge. What you people are crazy for hating Danny Ainge. It's Brad Stevens fault. How dare you think it's Brad Stevens fault? It's actually Danny Ainge. And then there's other people like you're both crazy. It's just the injuries. Like, so I'm just curious. So, so you, you put it on the injuries on the core for that. You look at this as this sucks. This is potentially a lost season, but you don't, you don't crush the ship because of a lost season. You, you tinker and try again. Like that's how you view this year. I know they've, they've lost a ton of guys for various portions. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's kind of a thing where you need to like be patient and have trust in the guys you have. And I mean, I, I think another thing I was just thinking of when you mentioned like Kyrie and that happening with Ainge, I mean, it was, it's kind of like really impressive how we got Kemba when Kyrie left. Like it's, it's like that type of thing with Ainge where yeah, unlucky shit will happen, but he always kind of figures it out whether or not it's figuring it out enough that it pleases all of the fans that want like, you know, blockbuster trades to happen. Like, Oh, Anthony Davis should be on the Celtics saying stuff like that I think is kind of just being unfair to Danny Ainge because like I said earlier it's been so unpredictable with the injuries and stuff that it's it's not totally on Ainge it's not like he is just putting together a team that isn't working like there there's no reason why they're not working together they're just not working together it's kind of I mean it's been two seasons with of a in a pandemic now and I mean, the Celtics, I think it's, they've played like less than 30 minutes, like Tatum, Brown, Kemba, and Marcus Smart have played like less than 30 minutes together this season. Wow. So, I mean, I don't think that's Danny Ainge's fault. Yeah. And the Anthony Davis thing is like, you know, if you trade Jalen Brown for Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis walks to the Lakers anyway. And right. then you've just given up a prospect. So I, I agree with that. I see that stuff too. And I'm like, I don't, you could never have made the, the, the Anthony Davis trade never should have happened because he was going to leave. And that's fine. Like they made the right decision. Not, you know, I, I've never killed them over that one. Um, and I, I think it's true. Like, you know, the injuries, things matter. Um, we, so how do you, you sound very pro Kemba. Oh yeah. Uh, I definitely am pro Kemba. I mean, it's, so we're this we just finished the second regular season that he's been on the team. So he has like two more two more years left on his contract. And like towards the end of this season, especially the last month or so, he's really started to look like the Charlotte Kemba that we that we, you know, signed him for. And like it's I think there's so much impatience when watching basketball, especially when we're living in a pandemic and like, it's all we have. Um, so, but like you have to consider he's, he was on a team where he was like the number one option for his entire career. And now he's kind of figuring it out still. And like when you're still, he's still figuring it out. He's still recovering from his knee injury or surgery. And he's putting up 20 points per game. Like, it's fine. I'm, especially when like you lost Kyrie and you thought that that was going to be your franchise point guard. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that pivot was, 
I mean, literally in terms of like their production, and I know that Kyrie has had an otherworldly season, but up to that point in their careers, like if you had looked at the previous two years, pivoting from Kyrie to Kemba was about as good as you could possibly do in terms of, I mean, their, their numbers were like absurdly similar. Um, and I, I, you know, again, I've been a Kemba fan as well, but Kemba is probably the one I see the most people are like, you got to trade Kemba, you got to trade Kemba. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what trade value he really has at 30 plus million. Like, I don't even know, like what, you know, what are you even going to do? Like, that's the thing. Like when I do the thought exercise of like, okay, what are the Celtics going to do? Like, let's say that they said, okay, we're not going to run it back. We're going to do something like the only things that come up are that's, I feel like that's why it's always Marcus smart. Cause that's like the only thing that come up is like, he's on a cheap contract. He's a very good player. Every team can use a player like that. You know, he's on that kind of mid range, $15 million. So you can fit it. He's like the only guy I can think of. And that's where the problem is. Cause it's like, you can't trade Marcus Smart. Who are you? There's, there's just really no room to do anything. You need to improve the center position, right? But you would just say Time Lord, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I do think it's so tricky because if you're gonna stay with Time Lord, you need another option there. Just like because he's kind of shown that he isn't the most durable in terms of health. Like he, he'll have knee soreness or hip soreness. And I think that hip injury he has is kind of like a forever type thing. It's not just the one time and it'll go away. It's a, it's an ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say because, I mean, I think a player, like if you, ha- if you were to keep Time Lord and add, you know, another power forward or center, ideally like Kelly Olenek or Al Horford, back again um it would really help it would because time lord at the starting position isn't gonna i, I just don't have confidence it'll work for a full season and and then postseason. so do you do you agree then that center is the biggest because you wouldn't trade kemba you you want to keep kemba so you would say that a big is still the the largest hold the celtics it's been that way for years i guess yeah, I mean, I think with, like, Time Lord's emergence this season, it's it's less, like, it's less important that, you know, we, we land one of these star centers in the league. It's But at the same time, um, it's just really important to have someone, by, like, someone that can do stuff at the center position and, and, and not just Robert Williams. Like, because an issue I see in our offense is like kind of just ball movement and getting Tatum space or just like getting defenders off of him. Um, and like, it's kind of falling apart when defense, when the defense is kind of just like reading what we're doing because we don't have someone strong at the center that is like drawing them in and then we can kick it back out and like, one of our offensive players can just shoot. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of weird because we have taco fall. Like what are we doing with that? I've never understood how that dude can't get like any minutes. Like, like I understand that height is not everything at center position and blah, blah, blah. But like, he's been impactful when he's played. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. 
Yeah, I think he should. I mean, give him mit- like what? What are we doing? Just like having him be like a little, a little fun like snack that you have sometimes. Like, let him play if you're going to keep him around. Otherwise, bring someone else in that can actually help and do things for the team. Well, and the Daniel Tice trade was fucking indefensible to me. I don't give a shit about the whole, oh, we ducked under the luxury to fuck you. Like that's, I, I, that trade was horrible to me. I know that Daniel Tice is not, you know, some world beater or whatever. And I know that his weaknesses showed up in the playoffs and stuff, but like I, I, stuff like that. And I know that's ownership driven or whatever, but stuff like that drives me nuts. I just don't understand how you can, constantly say oh we're trying to win a title this season we're trying to win a title this season but i'm going to rely on tristan thompson who can't even get out of the covid protocols and i just don't stuff like that i just had no clue what that was about i hated that i hated that move yeah i mean the only like i i hate that we that we got rid of tice like he was he's been on the team for a few seasons and he he does a lot i mean the thing for me that I can, I guess the one thing that I'm like, okay, yeah, that sucked about having Tice was just that like the, like he would get so many foul calls and it would really limit what he could do as the game progressed. But then like, when you think of Tristan Thompson and what he provides, it's almost just like mess. Like he's just a messy player. And I don't know. Thompson for me, I've just all season been like, Oh, well he has the playoff experience from being on the Cavs, but, he'll be he'll be really helpful in the playoffs but it's just he's just like been in reverse from there's been like one or two games where he's been pretty dominant but otherwise it's just kind of like he's passed his it's kind of like the Teague acquisition where it's like yeah nah <laughs> yeah yeah the Teague yeah <laughs> that's that's the best way to ever put that that one just did not happen in any way um it, it's definitely interesting I mean I I it's because man i it's like jalen is 20 or jason is 22 and jalen brown is 24 and sometimes i'm like dude like what am i like why am i even like why are we even worried about this like there's so much time for these guys and so sometimes i'm like sitting here like man we're expecting way too much and this is kind of the thing right that 2018 eastern conference finals where the Celtics got there kind of early and Tatum dunked on LeBron and all that shit. Like that like accelerated the Celtics timeline in all of our minds in a way that is basically unfair because like, like Jason Tatum is literally developed into a superstar at 22 years old. And we're like, well, why don't you got to be competing for a ring? It's like, are we, we're literally that psychotic now? Like LeBron got seven years, but Tatum has four. Like, I don't, you know, we're, we're, we're going too far with some of this stuff. So even I'm like, okay, you know, slow down. It's there's still growth to come here. Um, but I, you know, I, the center thing has always killed me. Cause it's just like, man, we all, every us outsiders are all like, man, every year we're like, Boston needs a center. And, but, you know, I'm like in the trade machine, like, Oh, I wonder what kind of trade you could get. And it just never happens. I just, I, I find it interesting. And the Fournier thing, You mentioned it before. I want to go back to that real quick. So you just honestly, you, you, you trust Evan Fournier in the playoffs. Like you would say yes to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, from, I think he like, I've seen a few highlights or like games I watched when he was on in Orlando and like, he's, he can be clutch and he, he just like, it's really crucial to have another option there so that like, 
it's not just Tatum. Like if, yeah. if we didn't have Fournier right now, I'd be a lot more worried. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I trust him in the playoffs. I definitely think during that trade deadline this season, th- we should have gotten Vooch. Like I think getting Vucevic would have been the piece for us that would have put us over the edge. I, I actually really love that. I think that would be, I really love that. And I, I mean, I wonder, I don't know what the, I mean, with the, the traded player exception available, you wouldn't have really had to have moved a whole lot of salary. It just basically would have had to have figured out a way to get valuable picks or enough, you know, valuable picks that they would want that. I actually really, you know, I never even thought about that. And that is one I really would have loved because his, you know, his shooting and his passing would open things up pretty nicely for Tatum. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Hasn't really worked in Chicago either. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I loved that trade for Chicago too. I was like, you know what? I get it. I understand it. It's interesting. They're chasing the play in blah, blah, blah. Absolute disaster. Funny oh, how that stuff goes. I know. At the, at the trade deadline, I was like, man, the Bulls are going to be good. Like they have Vucevic and Tice and Levine. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I was like, okay, they're starting. To, I was like, they're starting to go somewhere. I, I the, the funny thing is, I was like, oh my god, Tice is their backup center. I was like, that's perfect. I was like, suddenly they have a strength in their rotation. Lowry Markinen is like sneaky being okay this season. Like he's not what anyone expected, but he's still shooting. He's scoring like seventeen, shooting like 38 percent from three. I was like, man, they might actually do something, and they just immediately fall apart. <laughs> Everyone loves Patrick Williams, though, so at least there's that. Um, well, speaking of Patrick Williams, rookies, sophomores, young guys. You may, you mentioned Peyton Pritchard. We've talked a little bit about Time Lord. What are are there any young guys aside from Peyton Pritchard that you expect to get any minutes in these playoffs or to matter in these playoffs? Or are there any young guys that ignoring these playoffs that you're excited for their future? Like, is there anyone that you think could actually become? the third guy or something? Um, I think Aaron Neesmith has really big potential with this team, especially being under Jalen Brown, where he can kind of learn from him and learn, like just see the type of work that he put in every season to get better. And also like um, Aaron Neesmith went to the same school as Chris Middleton and they're like buddies. So I just feel like he has like, really big potential in the NBA and he's also like sneaky six five and he's just like he he, it I know at the beginning of the season he didn't look like anything it just looked like a total flop of a pick um but you have to consider that Brad Stevens was saying like yeah he had been injured and he was barely you know like fit enough to run back and forth down the court and so when you now like looking at him as he's getting the feel of things and look, he, he looks like an NBA player. So, and he looks like one of like all of all the, I guess, sophomores and rookies on the Celtics. He's the guy that's like, Oh yeah. Like that's someone that's going to be in the NBA for a while. I, I also think that about Peyton Pritchard. I mean, this season, he nearly had a 50, 40, 90 season. It was, I think just his field goal percentage that was like 45%. And then it was, it was like uh, 45% from three or something around that. And I think 89% from the free throw line. And like, he's, he was a four-year player. He has the same kind of hustle and um, annoyingness that he brings on defense. (laughs) 
like Marcus Smart, where it's like that's just a player that's really going to help your team when it matters, Um, like forcing turnovers and stuff like that. And then same with Tremont Waters. Like I think last night when he was on the court, the he was it was like a plus twenty, and when he was off the court, it was uh, minus twenty four. Jeez. So yeah, it's just like um, I, I, I guess Tremont, Pritchard, uh, Neesmith for sure. I think Carson Edwards has really good potential to be like a role player guard on a team. I'm not sure if it's going to be the Celtics just because how like crowded our all of our group of young guys is. It, it'll be hard to break out um, in that way, especially with Pritchard now. And Neesmith, who can kind of just like fire from three when they want or when they get the look. Um, but I wouldn't say Carson's like a flop of a pick because, yeah, he if he was on any other team, he'd probably be starting or, you know, coming off the bench as their guard. And he'd he'd look really good because he, he can shoot and he can also play pretty good D and and he's just good, like reading where the ball is. Um I'd say a couple flops of our younger guys, or I guess just like one was, it's kind of like Grant Williams. I mean, he definitely shows value at times, but it's, it's just about consistency for me. Yeah, no, I, I I completely understand that. And the Carson Edwards thing, the thing that always kills me about that is, you know, he, he basically got drafted because of that, you know, the one NCAA tournament game where he hit like nine threes and not that he's not good, but he's just a little undersized. But I, I always think about that Carson Edwards, Matisse Thibel trade. And I know that Thibel cannot stop himself from fouling either and all this stuff, but I'm, I've just always thought, man, if you had Brown, Matisse Thibel and Jason Tatum, like your ability to switch defensively would be a nightmare. I know he can't shoot, but I, that that is that is one that I always thought that the I felt like the the Celtics fucked that one up. But yeah, um, no, I, I definitely agree. I I think I just thought of this. I think I forgot to mention him, but when you mentioned you know being able to switch, I feel like Romeo Langford is is really helpful on this team because he can play D. He's kind of long, and it reminds me of Brandon Ingram in a way. I know that that's like a, a very uh, lofty comparison, but he has like great potential and he's, it's not like he's just has one thing in his bag. He's kind of good. He's great on both ends. Yeah. And, and here's another thing too. I mean, like, okay, so that's four guys. So if, and you're too fairly well tuned into the team just from a fan perspective, but if they agree with you, right. And let's say that, you know, they're like, okay, we really like these guys. We hope to work them in. We think one or two of them of the four will pop or whatever. And you're planning to get those guys in over the next couple of years. You really can't have like, championship or bust expectations because if you're trying to play that many young guys and trying to develop this many guys into future roles like you're not going to be able to win titles and I do wonder sometimes if like you know like when you sign Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum is like 21 or whatever and and you're you're doing all these things like I wonder if they've tried you know they're doing the thing where you're like well we're trying to develop guys while we're contending contending we're straddling the bar we're going to do both we're not going to tank necessarily we're gonna you know they got some picks that were high but um i just wonder sometimes like like what are the expectations supposed to be like how do you play all these young guys and also say okay we need to get a third piece to try to put us over the top you know what i'm saying like it's hard to balance those things oh yeah i completely agree i mean i think it's not having like the main red claws playing the season um 
that was like, it's just, it's so hard. It's completely what you're saying. Like they're trying to do both and it's like pick one. Uh, But then it's harder to pick one. Like if they were going to say, all right, like, yeah, we'll have these young guys, but they're not going to play much. I mean, that can't happen when you all of you, like your starters are injured or have COVID all season. Like it's so, yeah, it's, it's very confusing. I mean, I definitely think this is kind of like a hot take, but I think Jalen Brown getting injured, whether or not, you know, he could have made the decision to, to play through it. Um, I think him, him going out, like taking off the season and just having the surgery and being out really helps center our, our perspective of what the Celtics can do because the expectations were just like so high for these two 24 and 22 year olds. And, and, and they were, they were supposed to be carrying this team that's struggled all season. And, you know, it really, it really just, I think it makes it more real. Like if we go out early, it's going to be more palatable as a fan rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, I just I just hate how Tatum and Brown really have like no help or I don't know. It's just because they're so young. Like yes, they're the leaders of the team, but you know, it's it's they're not going to be perfect all the time. Yeah, and you know this this goes back to the whole thing because you know when you when you're like okay, I'm going to draft 18 guys in the first round. And it's like, we're going to develop all of these players. And it's like, okay, but you could have traded three of these guys for a veteran that actually will help this team now when you're picking like in the teens and twenties, like that's the thing that always kills me. It's like, cause yeah, it's like, okay, these guys need help. We need to get them more. We need to get depth. Let's pick three guys in the first round and there they'll be our depth. It's like, what? That's not, I, you have to, you have to make a decision about what you're going to do. And so that's why I can't like, if, if Jason and Jalen are your guys and they are, then Kemba is your third guy. Then every other move should be about shoring that up. Right. Not about like, I'm just not about developing other guys when I'm trying to compete for a title with these two. And so I would have gotten a center. I would have, you know, gotten a power forward to help, you know, Jason Tatum play uh, small forward, more minutes or whatever, you know, whatever the, the thing is, it's just, I feel like they're not maximizing. And again, they're young, but you're still not maximizing those two by trying to develop other players instead of helping them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder if there is a thought among like the execs, like, are they trying to, you know, develop these, all these young guys and, and give them experience on, you know, the Boston Celtics so that in the future, maybe they package a lot of them up and get that piece that actually helps now. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who would that piece be in your mind? What's the, so let's say that it's two years from now, Kemba Walker's contract expires. He's not going to be re-signed or he's coming back on a mid-level exception because he's 35, whatever. The way that you look at the team and the construction, um, what would your ideal third piece be? Like a, a pass first point guard or are you looking for like, you know, a Joel Embiid, not that he's necessarily available, but you know, a big, like what is your ideal third piece for these two? Um, it's, I go back and forth whether, you know, because it's like, do you, it's like, do you want a center? Do you want a point guard? Um, I think I, I lean towards center just because 
Tatum is able to play the point and a lot of our a lot of our young guys like we have a lot of guards on the team but we don't have as many centers or even like I know that the Celtics don't really play like very positionally it's kind of like a more fluid lineup so just like big men in general would be huge like I someone like Steven Adams or you know Al Horford like I guess just like a, a big man that can space the floor and take some of the there's draw defenders away from Tatum or Brown, I guess. Yeah. So do you believe in like a big three concept? Or are you more of, are you more like kind of like the Lakers, like a big two plus really good supporting cast kind of thing? Um, hmm. I've always been a big three type person just because mm. like it, that's when I got into the Celtics is like 07, 08. And it just like worked. It was perfect. And yeah, yeah, I think, hmm, I don't know. I think, I think Jalen and Jason do need a big man around them. They can't not, I I don't think they can do it with Mm -hmm. themselves and not someone bigger to kind of draw defenders away from them. I mean, Tatum's already getting like triple teamed at times and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis would have been the perfect guy. Like, obviously, like that would have been the perfect third guy. But it's like, you know, the the, the world goes how the way it goes. And that, yeah, you know what? That 2007, 2008 championship team was the last time I was actually living in Boston. So that was a fun year for sure. Um, I, you know, I think I agree with you. Like, I've always been a big three person. But then I watched like what the Lakers did last year. And I know that we have to look at the pandemic somewhat as a mitigating. Like, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was like, man, they had a pretty good team of pretty good players around their two superstars. And sometimes I wonder if two plus death is better than three plus like, you know, you're signing guys off the scrap heap kind of thing because you just have no money because you've got three max contracts. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I think I, that the like Jason, J- Jason and Jalen as like the primary two, and then kind of supporters around them. I feel like that would be it would work a lot better with better supporters around them, like not young yeah. guys like we've been saying. Yeah, I just yeah, I because I really feel like if you had a better starting center and an actual six man point guard off the bench. Like that to me, I feel like this team is then I'm like, okay, that's, you know, to me, that's what I like, just from an outsider perspective, I'm like, there needs to be a little bit more offensive organization. And yeah, like just truthfully, like Jason Tatum needs someone who can set like rock solid screens for him. Like you guys need a Rudy Gobert. Like imagine if you could just somehow put Rudy Gobert into Boston, like that would be. Like I would literally be afraid of that team. That would be a tremendous team because I think his level of ability on defense is kind of like, and you know, the screen assists and all that stuff. That would be like my, like that, that's my little, I'm playing NBA 2K in my mind kind of thing, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, completely. I I would love to see that. Um, Do you feel good with Celtics ownership? Um. Or do you think about it, not care? I I think about it a lot because Sun's ownership has been terrible since Sarver took over 14 years ago. So it's something that I consider. I'm always curious what other fan bases think. I think so far, they I'm ha- I'm happy with them. I mean, like we have we've ha- we have great players. Like I 
I think there's every, I think every other team in the league wants Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I mean, the fact that the Rockets allegedly offered uh, Harden for if we gave up Brown says a lot to me. So, yeah. like, yeah, good for Celtics ownership for getting those guys. But it's kind of if it's like a visual, if there's like a you know the the a meter, it's getting closer to like boiling point of like do something keep these two super two super young superstars happy um it's not there yet for me i i but it's it's definitely getting to like the critical point where they need to start working and not just going and watching the game i i cannot believe that they got Jalen Brown to take a sub max contract. I I cannot fucking believe that that happened. I I cannot believe it. Um, that to me was one of the. I bet his agent is regretting that right now because even with the injury, like his season this year, he was playing out of his mind. Like I I can't believe that. And I have always wondered, like when Gordon Hayward was only offered a three year max by Utah, it really pissed him off, and it led to him partially wanting to leave later. And so I've wondered with Jalen Brown, like the Celtics played hardball with him on his contract. Like I wonder residually how that will be in the future. And so it's stuff like that, that I wonder about, like, is that ownership driven? Is that Danny Ainge driven? Like, you know what I mean? So th that's why I ask questions about ownership. Cause I'm just curious how other people perceive, like that was just shocking to me that he took a sub max, like Jamal Murray got a max from Denver in a smaller market as like a worse player at that time maybe this season he took the leap with him i don't know it just that was something yeah. that always surprised me so yeah i mean i think something to consider or at least it's it's all speculation but like you have to wonder if they were like jalen like take like this pay cut now and like you and tatum are going to be it's going to be a dynasty like when you guys are older like you'll have all the money don't worry so I wonder yeah. if it's kind of like, like we are very impatient as fans. We want to win now, but like if they continue to, if, if Jason and Jalen stay with the Celtics long-term, like there will be rings. So, you know, I, I, I wonder if they, if he had that conversation with ownership, like, you know, we, we still had Hayward at that time. We, it was right around then that we had, that we got Kemba. Uh, like, I wonder if, if they were kind of like, just like be patient next time we pay you, you'll get the bag. Um, yeah, like I'm kind of like, what? yeah. But um, also um, I think it's crucial for ownership to, for my uh, perspective of the Celtics ownership is what they do this off season with Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. Cause they both are due for, you know, contract changes or whatever i don't know how mm -hmm. exactly but i mean i i think we should keep both of them and i think it's just kind of a matter of like we said picking are you going to be you know, like a developing team developing young guys or are you going for the final yeah i think the interesting thing about marcus smart is like i don't i don't know if they could actually extend him because I feel, I mean, he's outplayed his contract. So the extension that they would offer him, I don't know if they would actually be able to offer him a big enough raise that he would take it. And that's what makes me wonder, like, 
because of the minutia of that detail, you can only offer a certain amount of raise to a player in the last year of their deal or something like, I don't know if, I don't know if that necessarily applies to them. You know, NBA contract details are so complex, but that just makes me wonder, like if they can't extend him and he says, no, I'm going to free agency no matter what. And I'm going to take the most amount of money I am offered in free agency. That's what makes me think they could potentially trade him. Not that they want to, but if Marcus Smart says, I am going to go to free agency and I am going to make the most money. And suddenly the Celtics are looking at paying Kemba and Jason Tatum a max, uh, Jalen a slightly sub max, and then, you know, uh, whatever Marcus Smart would get, which, you know, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown's contracts together would more than exceed a third max. That's where I wonder if the Celtics are like, okay, we have no choice but to trade him. And then, you mentioned Robert Williams. Yeah, he's you know going to be up for his rookie extension soon. But it's also like that's a valuable young piece to another team. You put him and Marcus Smart together, suddenly you're almost at twenty million dollars. Now you've got a trade package. You know what I'm saying? So like I, that's where my thought process comes in that that Marcus Smart might have to be traded just because of if they're not going to pay him, do you just want to let him walk? Yeah, I, yeah, and it's I, so hard. <laughs> it's it's. It's incredibly difficult. Like it's you you just run into the the, the Suns are running to this already. It's like DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges are about to be due for extensions, but we want to keep Chris Paul. So it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to pay Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and Cam Johnson's coming soon. And you've got Jay Crowder. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I it's you can't keep everyone. So I just wonder, like, what are you know, what is the move? And it's I think it's going to be a pretty exciting summer in Boston. Maybe, I mean, I don't know from your perspective if guys being traded is excited, but I think from the outsider perspective, a lot may happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be, you know, more than happy if Marcus smart, if what he wants is to make more money and if that's what he wants and he gets the money, like congrats for him. Like that's phenomenal. He deserves it because he's, he's put his body out there like every night for this team and he deserves money. So, like, I won't be mad. But at the same time, if he is down to take a pay cut and stay with the Celtics and, like, be a career Celtic, I'd love that, too. So, it's just... Yeah, and unfortunately for him, I think that's the only scenario is, like, other teams will pay him more money. I just... I Realistically, I think that's true because I just don't think Boston will be able to. Yeah. That's just my perspective. I could be wrong. I've been proven wrong once or twice before. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's (laughs) kind of, like, the, the thing that makes... Danny Ainge say, all right, well, are we going to keep all of this plethora of young guys around that we're going to have to pay soon? Or are we going to consolidate with our guys that have been here, like Smart and Time Lord and Tatum and Brown? And it's nowhere near unheard of. I mean, Miami offered Jay Crowder, like, I think $15 million on a one-year deal to stay. And he took three years and 30 million from Phoenix. Now I know that 30 million guaranteed is twice as much. And at his age, you never know. But like, you know, 15 million versus 9.7, that's a real difference. And it's something to think about. And Jay Crowder took less money because, you know, he just felt like, you know, he wanted to play with Chris Paul and everything. So, and that's not even a hometown discount. That's Jay Crowder choosing another team. So it's certainly possible that Marcus Smart says, I want to stay in Boston. Let's work it out. And I would prefer that. I like Marcus Smart in Boston. I wanted to stay that way. It just kind of depends on what his priorities are. Cause I think other people can pay him more. And I wonder I, you know, I just, I don't know Marcus Smart. I don't know how much that matters to him. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's up to him. I'll, I'll support him wherever he is. I'm, I'm, that's me and Tom Brady. I'm, (laughs) I'm the biggest Tom Brady homer in the world. So. Interesting. Um, 
Oh yeah. It's, Oh my God. It's dating back to Michigan. It's a whole thing. I'm it's yeah. I I've been made fun of it for it. Plenty. It's uh, it's pretty sad. I know. Um, last, last couple things. I, I won't, I won't keep you forever. I appreciate you carving out some time in your day for me. Um, do you like the play in tournament and do you like some of the other proposed stuff like the proposed midseason tournament or the proposed tournament for the number one overall pick? Do you like any of those things? Or are you more of a traditionalist? Like let's just play the season. Let's just have the lottery and then let's go from there. Um, I definitely like the play in. Uh, I think it's, it's exciting. I, I think it's weird how like the first play in game is, isn't, super like you can't you're not eliminated you get a second shot so that's like really cool I was talking to someone recently and they said that's how um I think like the a cricket league in India that's how they do their like play-in tournament Hmm. um and it's worked well so that's I don't know I like the play-in tournament regarding the mid-season tournament uh or like the tournament for the number one overall pick I don't know. I mean, it would be awesome. I just don't like it would it would throw things for for it would just be very interesting. I mean, the the idea of a tournament for the number 1 overall pick is wild, but it would be fun. <laughs> I yeah I don't like the midseason tournament so much. I know that they're basing that on like you know European soccer, but the tournament for the number one overall pick I love because it's just like like why gift the worst teams with the best player? Why not gift them to a team that almost made the playoffs? Like you've got to be in a certain range or something. You know what I mean? Like I just oh think that's it would a be really fun. good point. You know, like really I, and point. I know that yeah. I know that it's possible that some teams might tank out of the eighth seed to try to get Zion Williamson or whatever, but you still got to win that tournament. So it's like, it's not, you're not guaranteed anything. I just think it would be fun. Like, because like, okay, this year, take a team like uh, the Pelicans, right They're you know, they've got Brandon Ingram and Zion, but they need a floor leader. Well, if they could win a tournament and add Cade Cunningham, like that would be pretty awesome. You know, like I, I think that we should reward teams that are really close so that's why I like it. I don't know if it'll ever happen. It's just something I think is cool. I think the midseason tournament is dumb. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I had never heard of like a tournament for the number one overall pick before. And that, after hearing like, your thoughts on it of like rewarding teams that deserve it kind of and win that tournament for and versus rewarding teams that tank. Like I hate tanking. I I mean, I I think right now there's like so much parity in the league. But if tanking was take it was like no longer a thing it would just be even more fun um so yeah that that is really cool one thing uh, one other thought I have about like how the playoffs are structured is I do not like how the top seeds get to play the worst teams like the worst seeded teams like it's just I think it should be like a shuffle like the the top eight or or whatever seeds make it to the playoffs and then it's a shuffle. It's it's totally random who you have to play. Huh. That's interesting. I've actually never heard anyone propose that idea before. That sounds, that sounds, well, I mean, it sounds like fun because it would propose, would you want to shuffle between East and West? So like 16 teams make it and we're just like, all right, throw them in the bin and let's see what happens. I mean, that's taking it to another level. I think that would also be very cool, but I, I think shuffling like the East and West separately would also be, I think that's kind of what I was more thinking out just because I, I didn't think it that far. Um, 
Yeah. What, what about Zach Lowe's thing about the number one overall seed getting to pick who they play? Whoever no. that may be. No, like see, that. that's what I, I don't even like that the number one seed gets to play the worst seed. Like, it's so unfair. It's basically just let it, rewarding them and being like, all right, yeah, go to the final. Like, it's, here's a cakewalk into the final. Well, here, I mean, this season is a little bit different in the West because, you know, the Jazz and the Suns are number one, but they're most likely going to have to play the Warriors and Lakers. So, I mean, those are not cakewalk series at all. So the play-in at least eliminates some of that, right? Because the play-in allows for, like, we don't even know who the number seven and eight seeds are right now. You know what I mean? Like, I I guess that's not shuffling, but at least there's some difference there. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. With the Suns playing the Lakers, so that's fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am definitely more excited for like watching the Western Conference playoffs than I am the East because of the fact that the top one and two teams are, you know, new. Like the Suns, I remember like during the bubble when they didn't get like they essentially got snubbed out of being in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That was bullshit. And, and yeah. at, before the season started, I was like calling for the Suns to come out of the West because they were there. and they have the talent, especially with Chris Paul and like, they're hungry for it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs that I think they're a much better matchup for the Lakers than anyone uh, pays attention to. And I really think if there was ever a time that Chris Paul was going to knock LeBron's ass out of the playoffs, it would be in the first round this year when the Lakers are still not healthy, when they don't have depth, when they're still trying to get it together and the Suns are playing the best ball they've played in a decade. If it was ever going to happen, it's going to happen right now, this week, not two weeks from now, not three weeks from now in the Western conference finals, but right now. And so I I'm telling everyone, I'm like, I want the Lakers now. I I would much rather play the Lakers in the first round than in the Western conference finals. Cause if you are going to knock them out, you're going to knock them out now that's my thing so i you know i mean lebron and ad are still healing you know schroeder is still hurt like this is the time to take them on so i'm other Suns fans are like no no you're crazy so (laughs) maybe it's just me but i'm like bring them on i want to face the bully you know what i mean yeah i mean as an outsider not really a Suns fan but definitely uh i root for the Suns over these teams like the lakers like uh i i wouldn't call you crazy i mean the lakers just won and they're the players yeah, like you said, they're not healthy. And Devin Booker and Chris Paul want to win. And they are some of the most dominant clutch shooters ever. Like, it's so inc- it's, it's so surreal watching them go off. And it feels surreal thinking, oh, they could knock out the Lakers. But it, it does feel like the moment is here for that to happen. And, and I was, I was going to ask if you had any non-Celtics hot takes. That sounds like one. For sure, yeah. Suns out of the West. Uh, Hell yeah, Knicks, I love it. Knicks coming out of the East if the Celtics Whoa. lose. Whoa! You're picking the... Wow! Defend that one for me for a second. Um, so, let's see. The Knicks. Um, I just think... Who is it that played... Was it Taj Gibson and D-Rose that played together with Tibbs? Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Um, and they've just been like, I've just, when I've seen them playing recently, it's like, oh, wow. Like they actually like are pulling stuff off on offense. And like, I'm like, I all at, at the beginning when I was hearing, oh, the Knicks are good. I was like, nah, as a Celtics fan, I'm not worried. Like it's the Knicks. And then I watched and I was like, okay. And, and I did also kind of, 
I was skeptical about, oh, Julius Randle should be considered for MVP, all this stuff about him. And then I watched him play and him with D Rose. And um, also, is it RJ Barrett? Yeah. That yeah. just, they have some awesome players that they're really putting it together right now in the way that I wish the Celtics were. Yeah. So, and then, and then with um, Thibodeau, I think that's just like also another, like coaching is really important in the playoffs more so than in the regular season. So, yeah, yeah I think they have a, a great chance. And it's always fun when the Knicks are good. I remember in the first week of the season, I was watching um, a few Knicks games and everyone was talking about how well Julius Randle was playing. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, it's the first <laughs> yeah. two weeks. And then I went and I watched a couple of Knicks games over the next couple of weeks. And I was like, I was like, oh, this isn't, I was like, this is not fake at all. Cause I was specifically watching Julius Randle and Jalen Brown at the beginning of the season, because they were the kind of names that everyone, like, yeah, everyone talked about Jeremy Grant, but players that were actually making a leap for winning teams, you know, Jalen Brown's averaging five points more a game. Julius Randle's like playing like a whole other person. And I, I watched both these dudes and I did a podcast in the first week of the season. I was like, oh, these leaps are real. Like these dudes are, this is happening. And that's, yeah, I, okay. You're the first person I've heard who's actually, who's not a Knicks fan, at least who said Knicks out of the East, if the Celtics don't win. Fair enough. But I, that, okay. I love that one. And with that, I will let you go. I appreciate very much for you coming on. Thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time. I will, um, I will put this together shortly. Thank you so much for coming on. And again, at, at Smarfwater, uh, is that just Twitter? Is it Instagram as well? Uh, it's just Twitter right now. I haven't fully gotten into Instagram yet. Okay, cool. Well, check her out. Great. Again, some really kick-ass like retro art designs and just a great Celtics fan. Margo, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was It was awesome. This was a great conversation. We'll have to have you on again in the future when the Celtics do something. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll ask when the Suns have a ring. Soon. There you go. We're, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. I'll have everyone on when that happens because I got a lot of shit talking to do. <laughs> have a great one. Yeah. And that is The Blunt Doctor Show. Do not forget to like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment, hit me up. And again, I'm just going to put this note here at the end. Genocide is not self-defense. Free Palestine. We can have peace in this lifetime. And I hope that everyone will join me in joining activism and doing anything we can to bring that about because we just don't need to have this world with this fighting and this much violence. We can be better. Genocide is not self-defense. Free Palestine, free states. Please let everyone live in peace. And that is the Blood Doctor Show. Peace to you and yours in 2021.